take a moment and speak to those of you who sense a heaviness in your heart with everything that we have been through these past months people are lonely people are afraid people are concerned people are confused and it's the perfect recipe that the devil would like to use to keep our eyes off of Jesus but I want to tell you something he is a rock God is my rock he is my strength and he is my foundation in fact the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away but my word, what he has declared and what he has said will never be shaken. He said there is a kingdom. There is, there is a kingdom of this world, read it, that will be shaken. And there's some shaking going on right now. And some of us feel the tremors of it and we feel like, well, I'm serving God, but I feel, I feel like I'm shaken. I've been through one earthquake tremor in my life. And it's, it's, I hope it's my last. Pastor Nate and Jared and I were on the 21st floor or something like that of a hotel in Lima, Peru. They thought I was kicking the bed. It was early one morning and I was studying about to speak that day. And they woke up like, what are you doing? They thought I was kicking the bed. The whole room was shaking, the 21st floor. I called downstairs. I said, what are we supposed to do? They said, oh, you're okay. Just stay where you are. I'm like, that's easy for you to say. But they said, you're in the safest building in this city. It's the newest hotel, and it's built to withstand this. Hear that. It's built to withstand this. Hear that. I said, it's built to withstand this. Hear that. God didn't say you wouldn't feel some shaking, but you're built to withstand it. His word is forever. His presence is with you. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. God is on your side, and he will not be shaken. <laughs> so, so when that stuff tries to come in, you just got to know you're built to withstand this. I know you look around and you say, but yeah, I see this one doing that, and I see somebody else making that decision. Now, can I give you some advice? This is the worst time to make a major decision in your life. I was taught years ago, never make a decision when you're in a crisis. It's hard to make good decisions when you're not in a crisis. But I think this is probably the most remarkable crisis the planet has ever been in that we know of in our lifetime. You need to hold on. You need to stay true. You need to stick to what you know. And one of those things is stay connected with the people you love. Stay on the rock. Turn to Jesus. Keep focusing on him. Heaven and earth may go, but he's not going anywhere. And when it's shaking all around, you're built to withstand it. Just hold on to him until the storm passes by. Say this with me. This too shall pass. You know, that's one of the statements throughout the scripture that we read over often but I'm here to tell you it will pass and I don't know what it's going to look like on the other side of this but I do want to talk about that today in fact I want to begin teaching from the book of Daniel today interesting book heavy book I was awakened a couple of mornings ago at 4 30 
a.m. I don't like those kind of awakenings, but when God wakes you up, you know, you just get up. And I read the whole book of Daniel. And just reading it through again as I've been studying, just I wanted to read it, just read the story through. And we're going to take the next few weeks and we're going to be talking about that because there's a shaking going on. But I'm here to tell you, you're built for this and God is on his throne. So glad to have all of you joining us wherever you're joining from. I'm sure many of you are in your homes somewhere. Maybe you found a coffee shop that's open and you're sitting there. Maybe you're sitting on the back patio. I got a feeling a lot of you got a cup of coffee still in your night clothes, whatever that might be. And, and you're sitting right up in the middle of the bed. And that's okay. We're so glad to have you. And, and I want to say to those who might be new to church, either you're watching this for the first time or you've just kind of stumbled onto a church experience like this today, and what you have sensed in this place coming into your homes or wherever you are today is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And God is real, and he wants you to feel him. We don't, we don't live by our feelings alone because feelings are fickle, and feelings will lie to you. Well, I didn't feel that. That's okay. That doesn't matter. Just because you didn't feel it didn't mean it changed anything. Well, I felt this. Well, just because you felt it doesn't mean it changes it. That's how you feel. But feelings change, but God doesn't change. He is stable. And what you're sensing is his Holy Spirit. Are you ready for the word today? Are you ready to say yes if you are? And if you didn't say anything, I'm listening for you anyway, wherever you're at. I suppose it would be very uh, much an understatement to say that we're living in uncertain times, right? Confusion and division seem all around us. What are, what are we supposed to think about what we're seeing and hearing on the news, about the challenges being made on our nation's fundamental values? What are we to think about the breakdown that it seems is happening with all that we hold dear. And I suppose many of you would ask the question, I've, I've posed the question to myself again, are these the last days? Are, are we living in the last days? I would say yes. Absolutely. Now, does that mean Jesus is coming today or next week? Or 10 years from now, I don't know. I don't know that. Nobody knows that. Only the Father, the Bible says, knows that. But the book of Daniel does give us some answers to look for and to understand in the times we're living in. In fact, Daniel lived in similar times, and he can help us as we seek to follow God in a world and in a nation that is seemingly turning away from God. So here's the question that is really the theme that runs throughout the book of Daniel. And this, this question is, how do I live godly? How do we live godly in an ungodly culture? How do we live godly in an ungodly culture? And better said, what do we do 
when the culture that we've known begins to shift? Well, there's a couple of verses that immediately come to mind to set the tone. 1 John 2, verse 15. Let me take you to John's writings at the end of the New Testament. He says this, do not love this world nor the things it offers. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. This is not from the Father, but are from this world. Paul also addresses a similar thought when he wrote to Titus and he was training him in chapter 2 verse 11 he says for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in the present age. So he was speaking to his present age. I'm speaking to our present age. Say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While, notice the scripture, while we wait for the blessed hope. Oh, thank God for hope. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of our glory of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So I read those verses to you because that sort of gets your mind in the frame it needs to be, sets the tone for what we're going to talk about. We're living in a present age that is challenging everything we have known and been taught and believed, and we're going to talk about that because the book of Daniel, that's where I want you to go. In fact, I'm going to encourage every one of you to read the book of Daniel. Read it, read it in a translation that might be a little easier to understand uh, the NLT or the, the Living Bible is just a lot of words, but it tells a better story perhaps. But kind of compare the, the different translations. But I'm going to ask you to read it because we're going to follow through and walk through Daniel's story as a reference for what to do, what to do when the culture begins to shift. Now let me give you a little history. Daniel is one of the Old Testament prophets to the people of Israel, God's people. And Daniel is the most quoted book that John referenced in the book of Revelation, which talks about the end of times. John saw a similar vision when he was on the Isle of Patmos. If you know his story, after he wouldn't die, they were trying to martyr him and didn't die. They put him on Patmos, an island that was just for stowaways and people they were just trying to let die and they didn't want to deal with in society. John wrote the book of Revelation and he remembered and reflected back on Daniel's book and Daniel's prophecy that was seen years before. Daniel saw things years before John wrote about him in the book of Revelation. The setting from which Daniel wrote uh, is really important to understand. So that's, that's what I want you to get as we get started today. The, the era or the year was 600 B.C. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon and he had conquered Israel. 
This had been prophesied because of Israel's continued disobedience to God. And in fact, Janet was reading my wife this week uh, through the scriptures, and she, she's like, I, every time the people, they served God, and then they went away from God, and then God judged them. And they served God, they turned away from God, then God judged them. She just said, it just keeps coming up. They just keep disobeying God. You ever, you ever known anybody like that? I told you not to do that. I told, our children, he's like, what do you say? How, how do you do that? It's repeated. Every time God gave Israel instruction, they turned away from it. I follow God for one day, and the next day they're turned away. God told Israel, though, that if you don't follow me, you're going to fall into the hands of the world. But they continued in their disobedience and in their rebellion. And sure enough, their enemy defeated them. Now, those who survived the war were brought into captivity as slaves into Babylon. And Daniel was among these that were taken captive. Now, in Daniel's book, there's a constant confrontation between Daniel and the Babylonian culture, which is very secular and very non-religious and worldly. So, so let me say it this way. These were godly people trying to obey God but the law of the land was asking them to live a different way. Today we live in similar times. We, we live in a culture that is constantly shifting what we have valued and what we've trusted in, what we believed in and what we stood on, and it's shifting. It's like that hotel room, 21st floor, you, all of a sudden things are just moving and you, you're trying to figure out. The, and I looked outside the window, we were in a corner room of that hotel, windows on both corners, and I had the curtains open, and I'm watching, I'm, we're doing this right here. I'm watching, I'm like, I'm not moving, but we're moving. Now when you're 24, 21 stories up, they said it'll, I don't know how many feet. All I can tell you is it was a lot moving. And we feel that happening in our own values right now, our own heart. We're like, no, I'm standing on the word of God, but things are moving. You just keep your feet still. Things around you might be moving, and it might appear you're moving, but you just stay planted. You hear what I'm saying to you? Things are moving, but you just need to stay planted. When you uproot, that is, that is risky. Stay planted, because things around you are going to be moving. Now, let's begin reading Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1, right? Let's read it together. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles of the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia, and he put in the treasure, and he put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring, listen to this, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. Those are the criteria he's looking for. He said, get some of those Babylonian or some of those Israeli captives, bring them in here with this qualification, and he was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Teach them who we are. Don't talk about their past. Don't talk about their God. Talk about what we want them to know. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. And after, it, 
What's happening right now is not just started a few weeks or months ago. The pandemic has just kind of kicked some things in motion. But there's things that have been going on underneath and below the surface for years. The undermining and the undertones of taking away the values of Christianity and a Judeo-Christian society and honoring God above all gods or anyone. That's been going on for years. He said, he said train them for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Now, among these were some from Judah, which is Israel, part of Israel's kingdom, and they list the four names. Now, you're going to remember Daniel, but these other three, you're going to have to let me explain them to you. He said, here's the four, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So, these four men, Daniel included, were now confronted with a culture telling them to do some things that they really did not want to do. So, so here's the question. When culture shifts, will you? Are we going to change with the culture and then ask God to change with it? Which is what seems to be happening today, even in some churches. Well, God didn't mean that when that was written. God, God didn't understand our culture. So we sort of have to modify God's word a little bit to fit our modern culture. Trust me here. You don't want God changing to you. You hear me. You don't want God changing to you. You want to change to God. But let me say it another way. Culture changes. God doesn't. Now, I'm old enough to have seen some generations of culture shifts. <laughs> In fact, I started my countdown yesterday, August the 1st. I'm 20, what, 26 days from being 60 years old. That's ancient, everybody. That's like, I can't believe it. I'm, I'm in, I'm, and maybe that's part of my struggle. I, I'm like, no way. I, I can't be more than 41 and to some of you, that seems old. Just ask Layla, my granddaughter, on this camera over here, because she said, Pops, you're not old till you get 70, but she's, we were talking about 60 recently. She said, I think you're getting old. I'm like, what? I, sorry, stay focused. I grew up at a time when I would watch TV shows at my grandparents' house, and I'll explain that in a minute, but there were TV shows where the husband and the wife, which was God's original design for family, the TV shows when I was a boy, the husband and wife slept in the same room but in separate beds. Today, we not only have husband and wife sleeping in the same bed, which is good, that's what God intended, but we have boyfriend and girlfriend. We have boyfriend and boyfriend. We have girlfriend and girlfriend. The, the enemy is shifting our culture to things that are simply not godly. Now, in my home growing up, our mom and dad believed certain things were right and certain things were wrong. And, and let me just explain that, and then you can decide where you are. For example, we didn't go to movies when we were growing up. We, we just didn't go to movies. We weren't allowed. We didn't have a TV in our house. My grandfather had a TV, and we couldn't wait to go to granddad's house to watch TV. I mean, we had adjust the aluminum foil on the rabbit ears. You, gotta, you know what I'm talking about? And there was like five channels, and that was it. Y'all are so spoiled today. But, but we, didn't, we didn't have a TV. My whole life growing up, we didn't have a television at home. We weren't allowed to go dancing. I'm kind of glad for that one. I didn't know what to do in the first place. We didn't play organized sports on a church day. 
I grew up playing all kinds of athletic competitions, but on a church day, the coach just knew we weren't going to be there. We, we went to church. Now, you say, well, are you telling me that that's a law? I'm not putting that on you. I'm just telling you how I was raised. Now, my point is this. You don't have to you don't have to be very old to look across culture and see that it has and it is shifting. And what I want to say to you uh, and to all of us is, is warning. Beware of what's going on. Because it's usually not like overnight. It's usually like over years. And then you wake up and you're like, why did we take prayer out of the public schools? Look what's happening now. Sometimes people ask me questions about certain things they're doing and are involved in, and they'll say things like, do you think this bothers God? And my response is, well, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you about that? Now, even when you ask and answer the question that way, (laughs) I've heard things like, well, I I, I could go do that, or I can see that, or I can attend that, and and it doesn't seem to bother me. And and I would submit to you that that's probably your problem. It doesn't bother you, and it actually should bother you. What we're not going to do in these messages now over the next few weeks starting today is we're not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you, everything that's right and everything that's wrong for you. You don't need me to do that for you. That's why you have the Holy Spirit. That's not my role. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. My role is to connect you to God and get you so connected with the Holy Spirit and him alive in you that you know what you need to do and what you don't need to do. Because if you open your life to the Holy Spirit, he'll talk to you and he'll convict you and he'll lead you into a life of godliness. My job is to lead you and train you to listen to him. You say, well, pastor, why don't you just tell us all of that? I could do that, but your your convictions are not going to be exactly like mine. But you need to listen to the Holy Spirit, and you're going to see in your spirit what you should and what you should not do. So, So what do we do when culture shifts? How do we live godly? When culture is shifting all around us, let me give you a couple things to write down. These are the three points I want to leave with you today. I want you to see three things that culture is trying to do right now. The first goal of culture is it will try to rename you. Rename you. Daniel chapter 1 verse 7. The chief official gave them new names. Remember I said you'll know Daniel, but you won't know the other three? Stay with me. Gave them new names. To Daniel, he gave the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, he gave the name Shadrach. To Mishael, they gave the name Meshach. And to Azariah, the name Abednego. Culture will try to change your identity from who God made you to be to what the world wants you to look like. And it's all a direct assault on your God-given destiny. So let's just look at the four Hebrew names and their meaning and the four Babylonian names and their meaning that the Babylonians were trying to change them into. The name Daniel means God is my judge. But notice the name Belshazzar means lady protect the king. Daniel's name went from 
our answer to God and God alone, he's my judge, to you're now a lady and you don't answer to God, you answer to us. Let that soak in for a minute. One of Satan's attacks today is on gender. He wants gender confusion. The devil is trying to rename you. He says, God doesn't have the right label for you. Man does. That's who you really are. He's trying to change your focus from God to man. And I say to you, don't listen to what the world labels you. Listen to who God's created you to be. God knows you. He has a divine destiny for you. Think about that. Not only did the Babylonians rename Daniel, but they renamed Hananiah, which is the Hebrew name meaning Yahweh has been gracious, to the name Shadrach, which means I'm fearful and afraid of God. So they went from an amazing God I serve to God is not good and he's mad at you. Satan's trying to change the focus from God is good to God is bad. And this is happening in our culture right now, today. The church has become the target. The world says, God's not for you. Just look at all the thou shalt nots in the Bible. He's against you. You don't want to serve God. He'll restrict your life to boredom. If you're a Christian, you're going to be weird. That's a lie. That's a lie. You might be different, but it's different in the good. Listen, God is a gracious, loving father, and it's an incredible honor to serve him. But the devil wants you to live your life afraid of him, thinking God is against you, that he's trying to judge you, that he's trying to be to, to limit your life. And so the Babylonians changed the narrative. Why did they change their name? Because every time they said to, to Daniel, come here, Daniel, they were saying, come here, God is my judge. And they didn't like that declaration. Names were a whole lot more important in those days than now. We just want them cute and rhyming good and something that sounds crazy. Nobody else has it, you know. But in those, that's not a criticism. It's just, a, I'm just saying. It's kind of my gesture, sorry. But names in those days meant something. And every time they took that captive boy, that Hebrew boy, Daniel, and they said, come here, Daniel. They were making a declaration, God is my judge. And they didn't like that. So they changed it to Lady of the King. We're going to turn it completely around so that now when we speak to you, it's a whole different. We're not talking to you about who God made you to be. We're talking to you about what we want you to be. So here's another one. Mishael, which means who and what God is, was changed to Meshach, which means I'm despised, contemptible, and humiliated. It went from there is nobody like my God who is bold, helpful, and confident to less than, humiliated, and inferior. Listen to me. Satan is trying to change the focus from confidence to cowardice. He, here's what he's saying. You Christians need to take your business elsewhere. That's what he's saying, and that's what society's been saying. There's a separation between church and state, and you need to be quiet over there. You Christians just need to hush, is what society is trying to say. You know what they call it today? It's called cancel culture. If you have a different view or opinion, then you're canceled. 
It's become social bullying and shaming simply because you believe differently. We have a culture that is shifting the narrative to if you're a Christian, then you're the enemy and you're intolerant and you must be the problem. First of all, listen to you. Listen to me. Here, everybody, listen. I'm part of we the people too. No, you didn't hear that. I said, I'm, part, I'm, an, I'm an, an American born, red-blooded right here. I'm a part of we the people too. And secondly, the whole idea of the separation of church and state wasn't so that the church didn't interfere with government. It's so that the government didn't interfere with church and the world's getting it, our society's getting it backwards. I said, Pastor, you sound passionate about this. You bet it. The reason is they're trying to get Christians to be quiet and to hide cowardly. They're trying to shame. Have you noticed that? Even going on, the, the, just the language, just some of the, the they, they want you to feel shamed. But I'm not going to live a despised, contemptible, and humiliated life. I just simply refuse. I'm not going to be afraid to say a prayer in a restaurant. I'm not going to be afraid to live what I believe and what God's Word says. I'm not going to be afraid to do that. I'm not saying be rude. I'm not saying be nasty. I'm just saying I'm not going to be a coward or ashamed. I'm going to stand on the Word of God, and that's what we're going to do. But that's the label the enemy is trying to put on us. And I'm here to tell you, you've got to have the confidence to stand and say, there is no God like our God, and his name is Jesus, and I will stand on the word of God. When culture shifts. Here, here's the, the next name. Azariah means Yahweh has helped me. And the new name, Abednego, that was the Babylonian name, meant servant of Nebo. So it went, it went from an endearing term that God is close and personally involved in my life to slavery. That's the enemy's goal, to change you and your view of God from son to slave. And when culture shifts, you had better know who you are and whose you are. And you need to be secure in your identity in Jesus. Which is why I urge you to jump head first into a local church. And you say, well, a lot of churches aren't open. Well, some are and we are about to reopen and we're asking for your help. But here's what I'm telling you. You've got to get connected. The building may not be open, but there are small groups. You can connect with us. There are people meeting all across the Brazos Valley. There are relationships. Church is still going on every week right here. And you need to get connected. And in fact, because the first thing we're going to do if you jump into local churches, we're going to get you to join, go through membership. What is that all about? It's, it's our growth track. To, it, it's to identify with local church family and believers, which, which is the Bible talks about. Secondly, once you get connected, we're going to get you in a small group to address the lies and the labels that the devil's trying to put on you. You need people around you who know you. The church can be as big as it needs to be. we got to save the whole world. So size is not what we're about. We're trying to reach everybody. As long as there's one lost person within driving distance, we got a job to do. But small groups is where the church becomes personal. 
It's where you're getting together with 8, 10, 12, 15 people, and you know them, and they know you, and that way then they got your back. We got your back. We're all a part of the church, and we're in this nucleus of believers, and we're supporting one another. And then when we hit the wall, personally, we've got people that know us that can help us get through that and find freedom in our lives. Because some of you are still living the label the world put on you, and that's not the label God gave you. God has a redemptive name he wants to put on you. And when you jump into growth track, which is happening online right now, starting this weekend, when you jump into growth track, the first thing we're going to do is lead you in the process to identify the call God has on your life. We want you to know the name God gave you, not the name the devil's trying to put on you. It's time to change the label. So Growth Track is available online at 1015 every Sunday. You can go to the app or the, and register, right? And it'll, you can connect the link and it'll put you right to it and you can get involved. And I urge you, if you've never attended Growth Track, maybe it was a year ago, do it again. Go back and remind yourself again as soon as possible. So culture will try to rename you. Let me give you a couple other thoughts. Secondly, it will try to tame you. <laughs> It'll try to tame you. Notice what Daniel 1 verse 8 says. Let's read it together. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. So, Daniel didn't approach the culture saying, so hear me clearly, he didn't, he didn't stand on the street corner saying, you're going to hell, get right or get left. To be honest with you, I've never seen that really work, honestly. But, but he resolved to follow his convictions and, and God's plan, period. Culture was trying to make, is trying to make us a people who have no convictions, now, I have my own personal convictions. Janet and I have our own personal convictions. They include worshiping God passionately without shame. They include tithing on our whole income. It includes leading and protecting our family. It includes honesty and trustworthiness. It includes no alcohol in our home. These are some of our convictions. Now, I'm not imposing all those on you, but you got to decide. Your convictions don't have to be mine, but you got to have some convictions. I said, you better have some convictions. Someone said, I heard it years ago, he who stands for nothing falls for everything. You better draw the line somewhere. And if you listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll speak to you about what's right and not right and how you should follow God. Because some things you can do, I can't do. And some things I can do, you can't do. Because you're made up, your temperament, the way you are. There's some things you just got to stay away from. And you don't need to judge other people if they don't. But Paul said, look, I'm just trying to hear, do, do the right thing. Now, as Christians, it's our job to try to not be a stumbling block to anybody. Right? That's a fact. That's a fact. Paul said, I hope that anything I'm doing is not being a stumbling block to anybody, but you better decide what God's telling you to do based on the scripture and your own convictions. Because when culture shifts and changes, don't change or lose your convictions. Culture will try to rename you and it will try to tame you. And thirdly, <laughs> it'll try to claim you. It'll try to claim you as its own. 
Daniel chapter 1, verse 9. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord the King who has assigned your food and drink to me. Why should he see you looking worse than any other young man? So, so the king said to this appointed person, feed Daniel these foods. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, feed them this, make them drink that. And they said, we're not going to do that. We're not going to eat the king's food. And the attendant said, you got to eat this because my head's on the chopping block. So Daniel said, please test your servants for 10 days. He said, test us. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and drink. This is where you've heard the Daniel's fast. This is what it comes from. He said, just give us vegetables. Then compare our appearance 10 days from now. So he agreed to this test and he tested them for 10 days. Let me say this to you. There will always be be a test in your life. There'll always be a moment of pressure. The defining moment when culture is going to get in your face and you have to say, I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I'm not watching that. Listen to me, young people, students, whoever you are, listen to me. There's a battle for you going on right now. You don't see old people on the news downtown running through the streets. You see young people. There's a battle going on right now. The world is pulling on one arm and God's pulling the other. And you get to decide where you're going to land. You cast the deciding vote. always be a moment where your faith is going to be tested (laughs) whether it's at school when we do get to go back at school at college in the military well I just don't I just don't like the rules of my my house I'm tired of my daddy telling me what to do I'm just going to join the army (laughs) go do that (laughs) I'm tired of the rules around our house mama you tell me everything I'm just going to go get married Oh, really? (laughs) Let's let's just track that, see how that works out for you. You see, the moment you get some independence, you're going to be tested. Just like that. While you're at home, young people, you're under your parents' covering. While you're in a church, you're under your leader's covering. But you get out from underneath that, there's a test that you don't always know is there. When culture shifts, never give in to the pressure. If you want to be a difference maker, never give in to the pressure. Daniel 1.15 says, at the end of the 10 days. So they had a test. We're not going to eat the king's food. We're going to eat this, veggies only and water. And at the end of 10 days, you test us. At the, end of the ten, at the end of the 10 days, they look healthier, the Bible says, and better nourished than any of the young other men who ate all the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine and gave them vegetables instead. He gave them what they asked for. They didn't have to succumb to the rules of the culture. They said, God's on our side. 
The scripture says to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding and all kinds of, of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And at the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked with them and he found none equal. Listen to this. The king, when he looked at all of those that they had brought into captivity, that they had trained for three years. And he looked when he got to Daniel and Hananiah and Michelle and Azra, he said, there's nobody like like those four guys so they entered the king's service and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them he found them ten times better than all the other magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom I'm here to tell you and declare to this world right now that God is always ten times better his way is ten times better his truth is ten times better his plan is ten times better than anything the world will ever offer you. Don't ever forget that. It's always 10 times better. Let me end today with a, a couple of questions for you. I hope you'll tune in next week. We're going to talk more about this. We've got some really good stuff to share with you. Don't miss it. But I want you to consider a couple of thoughts. I want them to stir you towards your own response before God and what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. I said, the Holy Spirit, are you listening to it? You need to know what the Word says and you need to know what the Holy Spirit is saying and you need to know what people who love you and know you best are saying. You need to, you need to listen to God. Here's the first question. Will I change the world or will the world change me? Will I change the world or will the world change me? And you decide. You decide. Am I going to set the culture or am I going to reflect the culture? Big difference. Matthew 5 says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So will I change the world or will the world change me? Now, here's the second question. Will my identity come from God or from the world? Where are you getting your identity? Is it coming from God? Because God made you. The Bible says he formed you in your mother's womb. He designed you. When, when conception happened, you became a miracle. And God had a plan that he put on your life from that moment forward. That's why we believe that every life begins at conception and the power of God is in the womb and destiny is started right there and no one has a right to change that but God. So when people look at you, will they see Jesus or will they see the world? I'm here to, to say let's live our life every day to be that light that the world needs to see so we can change this culture. So as I said at the outset, we're living in very uncertain times. I don't need to tell you that. You feel it. You sense it. We all see it happening. The world as we know it right now is changing. 
and culture is shifting right before our very eyes. Are these the last days? I would say yes. So listen to me. You need to know who you are and what you believe. We need to be, hear this, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say full. Everybody say full. We need to be full of the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about that in the book of Acts. Find men filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be full of the Holy Spirit. And if you're not full of the Holy Spirit, you need to go in your prayer closet and talk to Jesus and get on your knees or stand before God, whatever you do. And you need to pray until you're full of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. You can't do this in your own aptitude and and cleverness. And thank God for smart people. And thank God for wisdom. All of that is true. But you need the Holy Spirit, which is supernatural. And lastly, we need each other like never before. We need each other. And I know right now many of you are feeling lonely and disconnected. Some of you are like, I don't even know what my life is about anymore. I feel so lost. I feel like I'm walking in a fog. It's like I said last week in the message that you walk into a dark room and you know God is here. You know there's a light in that room, but it's one of those lights that has a string hanging from it in the center of the room and a single bulb. You ever seen one of those? And you tried to find it. You know it's there. And some of you, that's what you feel like every day when you wake up. I'm going, I, I, I go to sleep, but I know what I'm going to wake up to tomorrow. It's just a dark room and I'm trying to find the light and I'm trying to feel my way through every decision and my family and what do I do and I'm going to work and am I at risk and I got a loved one in the hospital and you got all this stuff going on. Let me tell you something. God is not the author of confusion and he wants you to stand steady. And Like I said at the beginning of today's message, I want you to know you're built for this and God is a rock and you need to stay planted on him and you need to realize he's there and sometimes the best thing we can do is seek after him until we find him, till we grab that string and turn on that light. So I, I, I would like to pray for you right now. I just firmly believe that God is in the room where you are. God is right around you wherever you stand, sit, kneel, or lay right now. He's right there with you. Angels, Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare angelic beings and your Holy Spirit to encompass around every person under the sound of my voice. Whenever and wherever they're listening to this right now, that same Holy Spirit power that I sense right now on this stage, I declare it around every person in the name of Jesus right where you are. I speak to you freedom and I speak to you a spirit of calmness and I speak to you a spirit of of resting in the promises of God. I say that anger and disillusionment and chaos has to go in the name of Jesus. I'm a child of God. I'm seeking the face of God. I am full of the Holy Spirit. I'm a worshiper of God and I just declare to you right now and I encourage you right now to just open your mouth and say the word, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I seek you. Come on, church. Jesus, I follow you. Jesus, I'm yours. And I will not let culture change me. I'm going to be who you called me to be and created me to be in the name of Jesus. And God is for me, so who can be against me? And God is with me, so he's never going to lead me astray. I'm never going to be left alone. I'm not by myself. But God is on my side right now. 
Hallelujah to God. I declare that prayer over you right now in the name of Jesus. Man, I sense the Holy Spirit in this place right now. Now, one last prayer. Listen to me. If you're watching all of this and you're that person that's new to church, you're like, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready for eternity. I, I don't know Jesus. Like, like I, haven't, I haven't asked Jesus to do anything for me. Let me say this. First of all, Jesus chose to die for you. He died on the cross 2,000 years ago for all of our sin. We couldn't pay our way to heaven. We couldn't buy our way to heaven. We, we couldn't be good enough to go to heaven. And God knew it. So God sent his own son as, in the form of a man, Jesus Christ. And a little over 2,000 years ago, he died on a hill outside of Jerusalem called Golgotha. And he paid the price for our sin. Now all we need to do is invite him into our life and accept his free gift of salvation. You want to start a new journey today? You want to start a new new life, have a new beginning? All you do is say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. In fact, can we pray that prayer right now? And I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I'm going to invite you to pray along with me. I'm going to say it, you repeat it after me. Just pray this way. Jesus, come into my world. Forgive me of my sin. Take away my past. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again. And I pray that same power that brought you back to life would live in me so that I'm ready to go to heaven when you call. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and your grace that has saved me right now. Amen. And amen. That was such a powerful word from my pastor, Pastor Danny Green in College Station. I'm so grateful he had the opportunity to speak into our church family. We love you. Be blessed.